0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a bonus Monday episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast. Part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in today. Usually I say whether it's on the audio side or the visual side on video, YouTube, but this is going to be an audio only um, episode. So again, you can catch this on Apple or Spotify or pretty much anywhere that you get the audio versions of podcasts. Hope you guys are doing well. It was an Excellent, elite Buffalo weekend again. Great weather. I mean, this has been an absolutely fantastic summer here in Buffalo so far. Not a lot of summer left, but it's been very enjoyable. The weather's been really good, man. There's been very few days where rain ruined anything and or wind or, or nasty storms. It seems like all the rainstorms have been coming late at night when people are in bed anyway. So it's just been awesome here in Buffalo uh, this summer. Again, a Monday bonus episode. Usually I don't have episodes on Monday. I'm doing this solo today. This will not be a long episode at all uh, by any means. Coming up tomorrow on Tuesday's normal uh, Tuesday Talk Buffalo podcast slot. I'm going to have my buddy Joe Miller. Joe Miller, of course, voice of uh, the Overreaction Sports podcast. Part of the Buffalo Rumblings vidcasting network. I almost want to say podcasting, but they do a lot of live video streaming stuff. So. Anyway, Joe Miller is going to be on with me tomorrow. And we're going to elaborate on the Buffalo Bills, whether it's been through training camp or their first preseason game this past weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll get into some things a little more in depth as opposed to today where I just got some quick thoughts on a handful of players based on what I saw uh, from the game this weekend. So I'll just drop a couple thoughts on that. Um, What else we got going on? Oh, and then... So last week I did my, um, well, I released it in, in written format and then I did a podcast as well. I did my 2022 chicken wing uh, ranking slash tiers. And I had Nate Gary on from WGR last week and we dedicated pretty much the entire podcast episode uh, to talking about that. I kind of want to review and go over a couple things that I really didn't get a chance to say while I was doing the show with Nate last week, and also as it got down near the end, the nitty-gritty, um, when we got to the elite, and then finally the Mount Rushmore, started having some audio problems and, and video problems as well uh with the podcast. So at that point, I was just I was trying to get through it real, real quick. So I kind of skipped over some things. But anyway, I got a little more, anyway, uh detailed, in depth thoughts on those. And, and I'll tell you this, it, it's funny in a way. I mean, I'm laughing. It is kind of funny, but I probably at this point get more, uh, questions asked about wing spots to go, or, you know, what I think about this place or that place. And the other thing I probably get more with chicken wings now that I do, uh, with sports, which I don't know, I I guess I should find that, uh, kind of flattering. But anyway, like I said, I got a couple thoughts that I want to share that I really didn't get a chance to get into, uh, when I was doing the show with Nate, especially, Uh, The Mount Rushmore. I mean, that part was literally rushed at the very end because, uh, like I said, I started seeing audio issues and I just wanted to get through that. I have a new number one. Nate didn't really agree with that. So I'm going to explain that as well. So all that's coming up today. Like I said, kind of a condensed episode. Uh, Joe Miller tomorrow. And speaking of Joe, I want to say this too. So I went to a Bill's Mafia party on Sunday yesterday and it, it was called Finafest. fest uh, it was hosted by a guy uh he's on twitter he's buffalo freddy on twitter his, his name is dan freddy great guy i never met him um until sunday but anyway he had a a home he's got a home in lancaster and i mean he, he really went all out he pulled out all the stops man there were bounce houses a dunk tank he's got a pool just loads and loads of food man a lot of good food barbecue stuff too man briskets which by the way were awesome Plenty to drink. A great time. And the people who were there were mostly uh, well, not mostly. They were all Buffalo Bills fans, a lot of them on Twitter, Bills Mafia. Um, and a lot of them already knew. But anyway, Fina Fest, it was called because John Fina, Buffalo Bills longtime uh left tackle, a guy that uh fans know very well, a very interactive player, too, former player, I should say. John is still very much uh piped into uh to Bills fans. To, to the mafia. John does a show every week, or at least during the season anyway, with Joe Miller. Uh, the John Fina show. Again, that's on the Buffalo Rumblings VidCast Network. They do that live on Monday nights. Anyway, John was there. Very personable. I, I know John. I've had him on this show a couple times. I, I've done a, a live show with him last year at O'Neill's. Great dude, man. Just so personable. But it was a really good time. And uh got a chance to catch up with a lot of people. Again, most of these... uh our Bill's fans from Twitter, some I know. And uh, it was nice to catch up with them. And I also got a chance to meet some new people and I'm not gonna run off a bunch of names because again, not everybody who listens to this podcast is even on Twitter. So I've run off some Twitter handles and you're gonna be like, huh? Who the hell are these people that you're talking about? I met some really cool people in person that I've gotten to know over Twitter, you know, over the past couple of years or so. So that was really cool. Um, Joe Miller was there. Joe and I hung out, had a really good conversation. Uh, I got a chance to meet uh, Mookie Hawkins, a Bill's reporter. He works for WUFO Radio. Um, Cool guy. Again, didn't really have a a long conversation with him, but we hooked up. We met. That was pretty cool. And there's one Bill's fan. uh, Her name is Sarah Larson. And I I wanted to bring her up because, again, if you're on Twitter, you know who I'm talking about. If you're not on Twitter, you you may not. Uh, Sarah Larson to me is a Really fascinating person. She went so last year, and I still want to do a podcast with her uh on this topic here, but last year Sarah went to every Buffalo Bills game, all of them. Home and away. Now that in itself is pretty impressive, but it's not, I don't think it's completely uncommon. I'm sure there's at least a handful of Bills fans that probably go to all the home games and all the road games. I know Pitchel Ron actually does. I know that for sure. And I'm sure there's other fans as well, but there's a difference between Sarah and at least anyone else that I personally know anyway. So Sarah goes to all the bills, home games, which again, you know, you get season tickets for the home games and you go to the road games. That's cool. The difference between Sarah Larson and anyone else that I personally know is that Sarah does not live in Buffalo. Sarah does not live in Western New York. Sarah does not live anywhere near this region. Sarah lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, around, or somewhere around the Fort Lauderdale area, like 1,400 miles away and shit. So Sarah, pretty much every Bills game, except for when they play actually on the road at Miami, with the exception of that game, every game on the Bills schedule is essentially for Sarah, at least anyway, a road game. So she travels into Buffalo or to Orchard Park nine times last year, and then she went to every single road game, including the playoffs game in, uh, in Kansas City as well. That's just fascinating to me. And uh, I'm going to have her on the podcast. Now, again, I got to meet her on Sunday, uh, but we didn't really get a chance to sit down and talk because, man, I really would like to know how you make that work, how you make that work financially, how you make that work with, uh, you know, just the process of planning it, the uh, the commitment that it takes. I'm sure there's some sacrifices involved. Really cool stuff. So anyway, I'm going to have Sarah on this podcast. And especially now that I've met her, um, I'm going to have her on here real soon. And I, I just think that that's something that uh, fans would be interested in, how somebody can possibly have the opportunity and find a way to go to every single Bills game, home and away, when you actually live in Florida. So anyway, I met her. Sarah's awesome. Uh, Kristen Kimmick, president of the Bills Mafia Babies. I, I know her very well. Good friends. Lots of people I met there. A really good time. I'll tell you too, man. Bills fans are tight. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I kind of have made light of it a little bit, maybe even made fun of it a little bit. How tight these fans are. I mean, like, they do everything together, this this group anyway. I'm not saying all Bills fans are all friends with each other. But this particular unit, again, consisting of people pretty much on Twitter, they're pretty amazing, man. And I kind of, I feel like now, now that I went to an event like this, I feel like I've been missing the boat. These are cool people. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And like I said, John Fina, man, he is a, uh, he's quite the character. He, he He's a funny dude. He is very, uh, he's very comfortable in his own skin. He's very outgoing. He's extroverted big time. Just a, a, a great character, a great person too. And again, very genuine. You know, a lot of these former players, not just with the bills, but any team, whatever team they would play for, you know, they say nice things about the city and they say nice things about the fans. And that's pretty much where it starts and it ends, but not John, man. John is a, uh, a genuine, a genuine person who loves being part of bills mafia. And you could just tell, man, the smile and John, I mean, what NFL player doesn't like attention. John likes the attention Again, he's very outgoing, very uh very funny. You could just tell he he's very genuine and he truly enjoys being around um very gracious w- with his time and, you know, whether it's signing stuff for people or or taking pictures with them, whatever. John Fina is a, a really cool dude. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. Fina Fest, Good job by Dan, Freddy throwing that uh throwing that party. Really good time. All right, so Two things, and I want to take a break, and then I want to come back. I want to talk Wings. And again, like I said, this will be a condensed episode today. Joe Miller coming on the show tomorrow. Of course, Joe Yurden every Friday, casual Friday. This weekend's game, the Buffalo Bills defeated the Indianapolis Colts 27-24. I'm not really going to break down anything from this game. I will say this. By the way, Saturday was a really good time. So good to have football back. Preseason is whack. It's boring. It's vanilla. Most of the starters don't play, nor should they play, by the way. I pretty much, I made that clear with Joe Yurden on our show Casual Friday last week. In fact, I ran off 12 or 13 Buffalo Bills, where if I'm Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott, they're not going to see a single snap this entire preseason. And I know that's kind of a, a take that a lot of people don't agree with. Many fans think, and some media think, that they should at least get some work. Maybe that'll come next week on their second preseason game, which is also in Orchard Park against Denver next Saturday afternoon. I personally don't think any starters should, should see the field at all. I just feel like the risk far outweighs uh, the reward of these guys getting game reps, man. They're veterans. They know what they got to do. Anyway, at least the guys that I named personally, and that's pretty much what Sean McDermott did for week one. But anyway, my point was this. That aside... Whether it's the second string, third string, whatever it may be, it's just good to have NFL preseason football, any kind of football back. It was really cool. Um, Saturday, I had a group of buddies come to the house, and we you know, had a few cold ones, watched the game. Um, it, it was a good time. You know, it, It's good to have football back. Again, I don't care that it's preseason. I don't care that they're backups, and I don't care that the, uh, a lot of the play calls, for the most part, are, are pretty vanilla and boring. It's still really enjoyable, but anyway, I watched it with friends on Saturday, and then I went back on Sunday because I DVR'd the game, and like I said, you know, I was having a couple beers, not going to lie here, man. Went back on Sunday, and I rewatched at least most of the game anyway. Uh, I'm going to save more detailed, in-depth thoughts about whose stock may be up or whose stock, I think, may be down between this game and camp. I'll save the majority of that for uh, my conversation with Joe Miller on tomorrow's show. But I do got a a handful of people. I I think that for me, at least personally, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree with this because I don't think I'm going out on any huge limbs here, but there were a handful of players who I think did a lot to uh, really help their stock. I mean, in some cases, really help their stock um, with this first preseason game. Whether it's being on the roster bubble and having a great game might help them secure a roster spot. Or in some cases, a, a couple guys who are already firmly are on the roster, but you know this, they might push for for more playing time based on what we saw against the Colts. Um, I'm going to start with Baelen Specter, the the seventh round rookie linebacker, and I'm going to tell you what too. I see, I, I got to throw this note in here. So I watched the game, like I said, with some buddies, but also my son. My son, if you've been following this podcast for a while, I know you know my kid. Uh, We moved to Florida in part so he could play high school football. He was a linebacker, a a very good player, uh, a D2 recruit. Ultimately, didn't end up going to college to play football because uh, of back and hip issues. It just, uh, lots of reasons. and I don't really need to get into that. But anyway, my point was this, is uh, my kid Shane is a, a student of the game, and especially when it comes to linebackers. Like anytime we watch a Bills game, he is locked in on Milano and Trey Edmonds or whoever else may be playing linebacker for the Bills. And and that's what he pays, you know, really close attention to. And uh, so I like to hear his, his insight and his thoughts. And they're pretty well-constructed as well. But anyway, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Bale Inspector is not a name that I paid much attention to at all during training camp. He is not a name that I really heard a lot from the mainstream media who's been covering practice at camp for the last couple of weeks. got a seventh round pick, um, a tough road to making this roster, but this dude stood out on Saturday. And again, my kid was the one who would point out, he's like, this 54, he's like, dad, this 54, man, who is this guy? Because he was getting off blocks. He kept talking about how he was getting off blocks really quick, really easy, and making plays. And now again, these were second and third string offensive linemen that the Colts had out there, but I don't care. They're still NFL caliber players anyway. And Spectre was making them look silly. I think he had like nine tackles or something. But anyway, he just looked really good. And he was getting off tackles real well. I think this guy, Bale Inspector, really helped himself. I think he may have put himself into legitimate, firm competition to win a linebacker spot, especially if he plays well enough that the Bills decide to keep six linebackers. So anyway, you had him, um, a corner that's starting to generate a lot of buzz. Uh, the six-round rookie, Christian Benford, I really liked him. And he looks like a nice, physical, sticky player. And Dane Jackson did not play at all against the Colts, which I think is good news for Dane Jackson, because again, I think Sean McDermott sat pretty much all of his established starters, and Dane Jackson was one of them. Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford played a lot, and Kyrie Elam has a good moments, but I'm not here to talk about him at all today. I want to talk about this Benford kid. I like him, and you know, I tweeted about this on Sunday. I don't think he's going to be a starter in week one, especially if Trey White's back, and I don't even know if he's going to play much if Trey White is back, because you have Trey White you have um, Dane Jackson and you have Elam, who I think is going to get every opportunity to, to win a starting job or at least get a lot of playing time. But based on what I've seen so far, what I've seen in clips from camp, what I've heard and read and seen from media people whose opinions I, I value in camp, and especially based on what I saw against the Colts on Saturday, I really like this Christian Benford kid, which by the way, man, you're talking the first two guys I just brought up now, a seventh-round rookie, and a sixth-round rookie. This Bills organization is getting it right when it comes to the draft. I think this kid is a lock to make this team because there's no way if they're even thinking about waiving him and hoping he can clear waivers to get on the practice squad based on film that's out there, and especially at their film on Saturday, I don't think that would happen. So I think he's going to make this team for sure. If they don't keep six corners because you're talking... Trey, who might start the season on the PUP list. Now, if that happens, this might change, but you got Trey, you got Dane Jackson, you got Elam, and you got Benford, that's four. And then you got Saran Neal, that's five. I, I think Cam Lewis could be in trouble. I think Christian Benford this camp and so far in the preseason, if someone's going to lose a roster spot, it, it may be Cam Lewis. So anyway, I like Benford a lot. Um, I like that new defensive tackle, Tim Settle, the guy who came over from Washington a lot. Now, I was high on him with the signing. He's a player I'm familiar with. He's a player with Washington where he, if the production wasn't there, it wasn't because he's not a productive player. It's because he was buried on a team. Now, Washington as a whole is not a good team, but man, they have one hell of a defensive line. So the opportunity was lacking for him a little bit. He looked really good. I mean, there was that one pass rush that's flown around Twitter. I've seen uh, the clip. Quinton Nelson is one of the best, if not maybe the best offensive guard in the whole NFL. And Settle just bull rushed him and dragged him almost into uh, into Matt Ryan. Really, really good stuff. Tim Settle looked really good. I don't think he's a start. Daquan Jones, who did not play. And I don't know why he didn't play. They didn't specify it was an injury or not because he wasn't even dressed for the game. Um, so I'm not sure why he didn't play. But anyway, Tim Settle to me is a, is a guy I think you might see. Jordan Phillips from a couple of years ago when he was with the Bills. Like that kind of value in, in production in the uh in the defensive tackle rotation. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I really do. Isaiah Hodgins, another one with a really good game. I think it's gonna come down to him or Jay Kumaro for that six wide receiver roster spot. Unless they both play well or, you know, if they value Kumaro on special teams so much that he's a lock to make this team. Isaiah Hodgkins. You no, know, if he keeps playing the way he did on Saturday, he's going to make a strong case, and maybe the Bills need to keep seven receivers instead of six. He had like what nine catches or something like that on Saturday. I don't even know what his stats were. Who cares though? He looked good, man. I liked him a lot, and I remember a couple years ago when uh, he was he was a sixth round pick, and Gabe Davis was a fourth round pick. I'll never forget this. Sir Bruce Nolan was one of the guys, and I know there were at least a couple more who said. That they actually liked Isaiah more as a sixth round pick than they like Gabe Davis as a fourth rounder. Obviously, that didn't turn out to be an accurate take, but my point is Isaiah has an opportunity still to, to make this team. And maybe early on, he's a game day inactive and it'll take an injury or so for him to see the field. But I liked what I saw from him. Uh, two more here the punt guy. I mean, Matt Araiza, 82 yard punt. That was just absolutely ridiculous. I can't remember the last time anyone gave a shit when the Bills punted until now. And I know the reaction in my home was the same as the reaction in your homes, or if you were at the game, whatever, in the stadium, that 82-yard punt, holy shit, man. I think they punted from what, their, uh, was it 18 or something like that? Yeah, they punted from their 18. Look, man, I've heard a lot about hang time, and that, that could be an issue. And I'll have to learn to get better at that, things like that. But I'll tell you, man, when you're backed up inside your own 25 and you punt, kick the ball in the damn end zone. I'll take that net 62. And then the opponent starts at the 20-yard line or whatever after a touchback. Who gives a shit? I think that competition, by the way, is over. In fact, if I were the Bills, I I would probably maybe release Matt Hawk early. Don't wait to cut down day, final cut down day. Get rid of him now. Give the guy an opportunity to uh, make the team. Because beyond the punt, um, he he had a good day holding too. In fact, one of the stats was low. And I also like the fact that he held on a game-winning field goal by Tyler Bass. You know, there could have been some pressure there. Maybe the hold wouldn't be good, but the hold was perfect. So, so far, so good with him. And I think he's done enough already to uh, to end the punting competition. And then the last guy, and again, we're going to talk plenty more about a lot of Buffalo Bills, this game, and just the team as a whole. I'll talk plenty more with Joe Miller on tomorrow's show, but I really like Boogie Basham, too. Who, By the way, I did not know until during the game that he switched his jersey number to uh, 55, Jerry Hughes' old number. That was a great sack. I mean... Play the game, probably. Boogie Basham drills the quarterback, fumble, and the rookie, Bernard, picks it up and runs for a touchdown, man. That was an impact play. I think Boogie Basham has an opportunity to be that third defensive end on this team. I mean, obviously you got Vaughn Miller, who didn't play, and you got Gregory Rizzo, who didn't play after that. You got a competition between Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa and Shaq Lawson and maybe even Mike Love, who, by the way, had a pretty good game as well. Um, I, I really like Boogie a lot. I I mean, at least I liked his game against the Colts and look, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to come out every week and dominate, but if he could get a certain amount of snaps each week and just make one impact play something similar to what he did on Saturday, he could be a very useful player for this team who, by the way, let's not forget. I mean, Boogie's not like some, uh, you know, he's not some wild card or anything like that. He was a second round pick last year. So anyway, those are the guys that I really like against the Colts. And again, now tomorrow's show with Joe, we'll talk a little more in depth about those guys. And we'll talk a little more in depth about some guys who maybe have taken a little bit of a step back when it comes to either making the roster or possibly on the depth chart. Beyond Case Keenum, who, whatever. It's just one preseason game. I'm not going to worry about Case Keenum. He's a good backup. He was terrible against Indy. But look, man, I don't care if it's Case Keenum. I don't care if it's Mr. Trubisky. I don't care if it's Jacoby Brissett. Name me a backup. I don't care who it is. If Josh Allen goes down, that's a wrap anyway. You know what I'm saying? So you want your backup to be able realistically, if your quarterback has to miss one to three or four games, you want him to be uh, efficient. And I still think Case Keenum can be that. I mean, let's not overreact too much on one preseason game. But anyway, we'll talk about him a little bit. And uh, some other players who I thought their stock might be just a little bit down and I'll do that with uh, Joe tomorrow. One other quick thing here, and then we'll take a quick break, get back and, and talk about this Wings podcast and countdown that we did last week. Um, Pro Football Focus, PFF, just want to throw this out there. They released their top 50 players in the NFL right now. Two Buffalo Bills made uh, made that team or that top 50, I should say. No surprises here either. Stefan Diggs came in 39th. Which I'm looking now. So one, two, three, four, five, six. He was only the eighth receiver. So eight of the first thirty-eight were actually wide receivers. And Stephon Diggs did make the top fifty, thirty-ninth overall. But receivers ranked ahead of him, according to Pro Football Focus, anyway. Uh, Devonte Adams, who was fourth, Cooper Cup was thirteenth. Which I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a surprise. I know Devonte Adams is a special, special receiver, but Cooper Cup literally just had one of, if not the best wide receiver seasons in the history of the NFL. And he was only ranked 13th. But anyway, Justin Jefferson, the pick, of course, that Minnesota took in the Stefon Diggs trade, he's 17th. You know, I've said it before many times on this podcast, and I truly feel that way. That trade, that Minnesota-Buffalo trade, that was a complete win-win. The Bills did not fleece the Vikings. So let's not act like that's the case. It was a win-win for both teams. Stephon Diggs is the perfect fit for Josh Allen. He's a perfect fit for this offense. He's the perfect fit for this locker room, I feel. And Stephon Diggs has had two of, if not the most productive wide receiver seasons in the history of this entire franchise. So it's a win for the Bills, but it's also a big win for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson is a beast, man. He's an animal. He's a young guy who's still on his rookie contract. Anyway, Justin Jefferson, 17th. Tyree Kill, Buffalo Bills killer comes in at 24. Uh, Debo Samuel was 28th and DeAndre Hopkins was 31st. I don't agree with that. I think Stefan Diggs. At this point, I'll make, you can make a case. Adams and Cup. I completely agree with. Jefferson, Tyreek, and Debo. I'm like, all right, if you got him ahead of Stefan, I could see that. I don't necessarily agree with all that, but I can certainly see it. Do not agree with DeAndre Hopkins being 31st. And I definitely don't agree with AJ Brown, although he's a hell of a receiver, but He was 34th. So again, yeah, you're talking seven receivers ahead of him and he was 39th. Of course, the big name, Josh Allen, and he came in on the PFF top 50 at number six. Third overall among quarterbacks. Uh, The the top five went Aaron Donald, Trent Williams, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Patrick Mahomes. I think Josh Allen being ranked sixth is fair I think it's very fair I agree with the first three and look Aaron Rodgers you know he's getting up there and we'll see what he does without having Devontae Adams this year I mean that's obviously a huge loss but you can't hate on a guy who's won back-to-back MVPs he's two-time MVP right now or back-to-back I should say MVP so he deserves to be third Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup, either or. Whichever receiver was fourth, I would have been fine with. And Patrick Mahomes is fifth. Again, I'm good with that. I think Mahomes should get the nod based on more overall team success, and he's done it for an extra year more than Josh. But to me, it's like, there's no wrong choice. I've said this a million times. If you got Josh Allen as your quarterback, I don't think you want to trade him for anyone, including Mahomes. Or if you already got Mahomes as your quarterback, I don't think you trade him for anyone in the NFL, including Josh Allen. There's just no wrong answer uh between those two guys. And man, it's gonna be fun to see these guys play again this year in the regular season and maybe the playoffs as well. But anyway, that was your PFF top fifty two bills in there. I'm we'll gonna take a real quick break. I'm going to come back and again I want to kind of elaborate on some of the things from my chicken wing tier list uh for last week. And again, if you're living in Western New York or you're coming to the area, this is a something, this is a topic that people actually like to hear about. So be right back after this quick break. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you wanna throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, OddsTrader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that can be a huge thing to know in certain situations. OddsTrader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in his betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes
0: to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, I'm back in. Not going to take up much more time here. So again, last week I did a podcast with Nate Gary and I dropped my 2022 wings uh, ranking slash tier list. There were 83 spots and there's six different tiers. And then there's a Mount Rushmore. Uh, quickly, just to review. So I had a Mount Rushmore. Then the tiers went um, elite wings. That was tier one. And then we had uh, all pro wings. Those were two solid starter wings. Those were tier three um, depth chart wings. Those were tier four, uh, tier five. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head here. Tier five is roster bubble wings. And then tier six was waiver wire wings. I want to say a couple things too, that I, again, I didn't really get a chance to uh, talk about much in detail during last week's show. A lot of these places, especially ones that are ranked lower, it, this needs to be said. First and foremost, I don't like shitting on any business or establishment. The last thing I'm comfortable with is recommending that somebody doesn't go to a place. You know, for the most part, all these places I've been to, whether I've loved their wings or whether, quite frankly, I kind of hated their wings, they've been good businesses. The service has been good. The vibe's been good. The uh, atmosphere has been good. Those wings specifically at that place just aren't good. But that don't mean you should should not go there. There's other reasons to go to most of these places beyond just wings. And when I do some of these reviews, I always try to highlight something good about a place. Again, I take no joy or no pride in shitting on any place when it comes to their wings. But that said, you know, I, I take this at least I don't take myself. Dumb. <laughs> I don't take myself serious at all. Okay, when it comes to these wings. Now that said. I get a lot of people who do ask me for recommendations or, or, you know, recommend either they ask me to recommend somewhere or they'll bring up a place and be like, yo, you have wings here. What did you think? And I'm not going to lie to people because it is kind of my name and my rep on the line. And the last thing I want to do is tell somebody to go have wings somewhere where I thought the wings sucked. You know, hey, these wings are going to be great. Then you go there and they're garbage. And all of a sudden I look like a jerk, you know? So I am honest about it, but I don't take any joy or any pride in shitting on a place. And I always try to, highlight other things about a place that i like even if i do not like uh their wings and then the other thing is this so you hear about wings you know on my list it might be only mid-tier like tier three tier four that means they're only in they're average here but that's the whole thing wings are average here a lot of these places are still really good wings they're just not as good as the ones above them if you went somewhere else you know, John Fina, we were having a conversation at FinaFest at, at this party. I was talking about that I was at on Sunday afternoon because he's in Arizona and I lived in Florida for five years. And we asked about, we talked about O'Neal's because John did a show at O'Neill's with uh, Rock Power Report and Joe Miller. And I asked him how the wings were because I did a show with them last year and I love O'Neal's, but on that night, the wings were just like, mm. and they were good. And, but then he brought up the point. Listen, anything is good compared to, Anywhere else, pretty much. Like okay wings here are actually elite wings in other areas. So again, it's not that a lot of these places are bad necessarily. It's that they're uh there's just simply, you know, this is a town that has so many great spots that there's just other places I think that are better. Anyway, um I just wanted to highlight a couple of places that I really didn't get a chance to talk to talk about on the podcast. And I did kind of call out Glen Park Tavern and I'm gonna kinda you know, I'm going to stick by my take. I had them dead last. 83 spots, they are dead last on my list. And I kind of find it fascinating that I don't know why. I mean, they have name recognition and they are on like that Buffalo wing trail list. I just, again, great beef on whack. I looked around at other people's dishes and things, everything looked good. The The bartender was great. The, wait, the waiter was great. Service was great. the uh, The vibe was great. I loved everything about Glen Park Tavern. I've been there twice too. I tried them twice, except the wings, man. The wings are just not any good. They're not good. They are very expensive. They're small. They're bland. And you only get like eight in a single order. So I just don't get it, man. I don't know how Glen Park Tavern is on a wing trail and how people recommend them because I just don't like them. And then, like I said, with a lot of these other wing spots that I had on the sixth tier, um, they're great places for other reasons. We checked lounge lousy wings, but man, great roast beef, great fish fries, great place to drink kettles. We talked about them on the podcast. I don't like their wings. Did not like them at all, but that's a great place to drink and hang out a great place to go listen to, uh, live music. Pascuali's is another place. I, I think their wings suck, but I think their pizza is pretty good. I think their pasta is borderline elite. Uh, a great place. Lovejoy pizza. Pretty good pizza. Nate talked about that as he lounge. Another place, you know, shitty wings, but a really fun place in Kaisertown to hang out and have a beer with your friends, man. Play darts. A lot of really cool places on that, on that sixth tier. And then I had that fifth tier, Rosser Bubble Wings. And this is where things, had a couple semi-controversial takes because Goodbar and Dwyer's Irish Pub are two places that are very well known and pretty popular, but I think both of them are severely overrated. And I've been to Goodbar twice. And again, I talked about this with Nate. I know they're popular and I know they're ranked a lot higher because this is, I got a lot of feedback from these lists. And one of the bigger, uh, bitches that people had was that good bar. I have them way too low. Well, I'll tell you, I've been there twice and, uh, everything about just look wings are wings, man. They're, they're not supposed to be presented like a fancy meal, you know, like a fancy Italian meal or, you know, a steak dinner with all the, the fixings and stuff on it. But man, it just looked like they just ducked the sauce over it. The blue cheese, and this is not once, this is twice, man. The blue cheese was kind of smothered into the sauce already. And they just, I don't know, it felt like it was a mailed in effort. Both times I've had wings at Good Bar. And again, I love Good Bar, man. I grew up on Elmwood Avenue. Literally, my underage ass at 18, 19 years old was sneaking into Good Bar. Good Bar and Coles, two of my favorite bars of all time. I love Good Bar. Love being on Elmwood. Love the people watching. But I think those wings are overrated to sell. And ditto for Dwyer's Irish Pub. I just did not like their wings, man. Didn't like them. And I know they're a pretty popular place. Though I haven't heard much about them over the last couple of years, but there was a time where uh, where they were popular. I, I just think they're overrated. And again, you get on these places, and, and a lot of these places don't really tout themselves as having the best wings. They're, they're known for other things. Like the Yelling Goat in Lancaster is not known for wings. That's why I'm only in the fifth tier, but you don't go there primarily to eat wings. Uh, And then when I got to the fourth one, this is where tier four, which is my depth chart wings. We pretty much, Nate and I talked about anchor bar and he thought that I had them ranked actually a little too high. Whereas I explained, I mostly agree, but it was also more about uh, a respect thing. You know, I think anchor bar is like the OG of of wings. They're they're the place that people, well, maybe not so much in recent years has kind of switched a little bit, but, for years and years and years, tourists, celebrities, anytime people came into Buffalo and wanted wings, they would always go to Anchor Bar because it was an OG spot. So I kind of gave them a forked tier Jeff chart wings, mainly out of respect. Uh, Adolph's First Ward Tavern, that's a place that Nate said he had not been to. I didn't talk about them on the podcast. Again, a great neighborhood bar in the First Ward. I absolutely love that place. The wings were crispy to their credit, but they were... T- Again, they're pretty good, but they're only all right when you compare them to so many other great places in Buffalo. And then a lot of these places, oh, Bella Pizza. Nate and I agreed on that too, by the way, Elite Pizza. I think Bella Pizza is a top three, maybe even top two place for pizza in all of Western New York, any of the locations. But for me, Bella's more of a pizza place and a wing place. They're typical uh, pizza wings. They're all right. And then I had Strikers on the fourth tier, which was the only- uh, bowling alley that I think I even bothered at this point to uh to review. But anyway, Rusty, Buffalo, and Vinny's were both on this list. Two of my favorite drinking bars in all Western New York. In fact, they may be my two favorite drinking bars in all of Western New York. If you see me out more times than not, I'm going to be either at Vinny's or uh, Rusty. Love those places. So that was on uh the fourth tier. And then I got to the third tier, which was Solid Starter Wings. Uh, Again, I talked about a few of these. Prohibition is one. I only mentioned this, but I actually had them ranked a lot lower about maybe a year or so ago, but I've been there more and more recently. And it feels like the wings have been pretty steady, solid. Uh, I'm a big fan of Prohibition. I, I like that place. Um, we talked about Doc Sullivan's. I absolutely hated their wings. I thought they were some of the most overrated wings that I've ever had in my life. Um, when I first had them, but I've been back a couple times since then, and they've been considerably better. And that's a very uh, popular drinking spot in, in South Buffalo. I like the bar, but you got to get there early, man. It gets a little bit young and too rowdy for my ass when it gets to be later at night. Uh, G. McCarthy's a place that a lot of people reached out and said that I have too low. I They're good wings, man. They're, they're good. They are good. But I don't really have much to add to that. I just don't think that they're... I think I have them properly ranked. I I can't remember what these are numerically. but I, When you get to this list, you're probably talking on an 83- a little bit higher than middle of the pack. And I think that's kind of what G McCarthy's is for me. Uh, Mooney's on military, I think, is a sleeper place to get some pretty good wings. They're known for mac and cheese. But their wings are pretty good, which is weird because the Mooney's on West Seneca, same deal. Great mac and cheese, but lousy wings in West Seneca. But Mooney's on military, those are pretty good. Uh, I talked about Snyder Barn Grill. I went there. It's in Amherst. I went there with Jay Skurski once. Had a couple cold ones with him. Did a live podcast. And uh, the wings were phenomenal, phenomenal that night. In fact, I remember, I think I originally had them in my top 10 at one point even. But anyway, I went there, I think once, if not twice since then. And I just remember that it, it, the second time I went there, man, they were they were not good that time. Uh, Wellington Pub place on Hurdle. Big fan of, uh, I love the Hurdle bars, man. I really do. In the summertime, at least anyway, I love to get a pint of beer an order of wings, and, and just sit my ass on a patio and people watch during a Buffalo summer. Hurdle Avenue, perfect place for that. Big Tree is on here. I like Big Tree. I think that's a little, uh, their reputation and name might be a little bit bigger and better than their, actually their wings are, which by the way, are very expensive. Now, wings have pretty much went up across the board everywhere because of COVID, but there were some places like uh, Glen Park Tavern and like Big Tree where even before COVID, I thought their shit was, uh. Too pricey. And then the other one, K.O. Bar and Grill. Nate Gary talked about that. That's a, a little divy bar on, on Delaware Avenue before you get to Hurdle. Good wings there, man. Um, so I was glad that Nate agreed with that one. And then you get to tier two, which I said, these are my all pro wings. Lenovo Pizza, absolutely elite barbecue on the pit wings. But the reason why I don't have them quite, you know, in that first tier is because I just think their hotter. Medium wings are just, uh, all right. Kelly's Corner, a good spot. Again, I think they're ever, ever so slightly overrated because a lot of people consider them a top five or 10 place for wings. I'm not there with them yet. I think they're good. I actually think their beef on weck sandwich is what they're best known for and a little bit better. Uh, I would say the controversial one, actually, before I get to that one, uh, Casey's Blackrock, Nate raved about them wings. He says he might even have them in his top five. And then we talked about Beltline Brewery, which is uh, near downtown, near Larkin. I did a show there with Lance Lazowski, and man, we did these all dress wings. Absolutely uh, phenomenal. A lot of popular places on this second tier. Judy's Lounge, Bar & Grill. We didn't talk about them. In Niagara Falls, really solid wings. Uh, Mimosas in Hamburg, they're very popular. O'Neill's right across the street from uh, Highmark Stadium, which by the way, that place has went up and down for me so much. When their wings are, when, when they're on, they're as good as anybody pretty much in Western New York, man. I love their wings. The problem with them, and this does matter a little bit, is consistency. Now, part of the problem when you have a, a favorite place, like O'Neill's is a favorite place, of mine. I'm there a lot, so I've had wings there 15, 20 times as opposed to a place like say where I've only had them like maybe twice. And when you go somewhere 15, 20 times, and you get wings that often, you're going to get a couple times where the wings are not up to par that day. They're not as good. I don't know if it's a, a new cook working or or what it may be. That's my one issue with O'Neill's is I love their wings. And even when they're never bad, but sometimes you can feel them fall off uh, just a little bit anyway. Um, Gabriel's Gate is the one where a lot of people think that that should be even on the Mount Rushmore. Certainly a top five to 10 place. I don't agree. I think Gabriel's Gate is a pretty good place. Their wings are good, but I don't think they're elite by any means. I think there's at least 15 to 20 places that are better than for sure. So Gabriel's Gate, I only had on my second tier. A lot of people thought they should be on the first. Actually, Nate thought me having them on my second tier was actually uh, ranking them too high. Anyway, then I had tier one, which was the elite wings. Um, The biggest surprise for at least some people anyway, and I still talk about these wings to this day, is Mulberry in Lackawanna, Bethlehem Park area everybody knows mulberry is known it's one of the best italian restaurants in all western new york i did a show there last year with matt Marino and nate gary and uh then joe miller actually came by and he hung out with us as well and he had some wings and we got two types of wings regular traditional wings which i honestly i, I wish i could remember but i can't remember the name of them They're named, i don't i i want to say they were seven one six wings but whatever they were their regular traditional wings and then there were Trey white spicy barbecue wings the Trey White Wings were good. I mean, I mean, they were more than good. They were very good, but they weren't elite. They were they were fine, okay? But these regular wings, holy shit, man. They were un-freaking-believable. And you don't believe me, man. Ask Nate, ask Matt, ask Joe. Awesome, awesome wings. The only problem with Mulberry is what, who goes there to get chicken wings, man? You're going there to have a nice sit-down Italian dinner. But that place is definitely elite. I uh, had wing nuts and, and Sunny Reds, Sunny Reds and, and Mulberry. Their, their traditional wing is not quite the same, but they're very close. So I know they have partners who are involved with both places. So the recipes are pretty much a uh, lock and key there. Imperial Pizza, one of my favorite places because they have, like, they have like four or five different types of wings that are just really good. So they come at you in layers. I mean, their medium hot is good and really good, but their hot honey barbecue, which by the way, is done on the pit. Those are amazing. If you want to burn your mouth off, the Smitty Wings are amazing. They have Chevetta's medium or hot. Those are really good. They just come at you in ways, man. Really good place. Amherst Sail House. I've done a couple shows there. Love that place. Audubon North, Ditto, um, Dalmatia Hotel and Sports City Pizza Pub. Those are all my elite wings. These are like, so what is it? Like five to 12 because I got my Mount Rushmore and then tier one is the elite wings, which was five through 12. Wing Nuts is in Amherst. That place is becoming a polarizing place because a lot of people love wing nuts or they hate them. Obviously, I got them ranked this high, so I love them, but I've only had them once. I need to go back there again. I need to verify that these wings were as good as they were for me uh, the first time. So I'm planning on doing a podcast at some point there. Anyway, all right, wrapping up here, my Mount Rushmore wings. These were my top four and the only four that I did in order. Again, when I did my podcast last week with Nate, at this point, I started getting audio difficulties. I could see it coming. So I really put a wrap on it quick and I didn't really talk about these in my reasoning form. So I kind of wanted to fly through that. At number four, Macy's Place Pizzeria. Love that place. It's in Chitawaga. They got a second location opening up in Kenmore sometime in the fall. I'm not quite sure when, but anyway, their wings are absolutely incredible. Like I said with Imperial, they come at you with mad flavors man they got so many flavors i've done two podcasts there once i did one with marcel louis jacques and i did one as well with chris trapasso there before both times man these wings are just amazing they're cajun oh the hot honey barbecue just like with imperial man this place is amazing the reason why maybe i have them four instead of ranked even a little bit higher the only downside about a place like this is it's a small operation well there's two things number one if I'm out to get wings, I'm not, nine times out of 10. I like to sit down and eat them there. And there's virtually no room at all. There's a small little bar there, bar stool area, I should say, where you can maybe two or three people can fit in. That's it though. Like you're, You go there with a party of four or five people, you're out of luck. You can't, you have to get them picked up or delivered. So I, I don't like that. And sometimes when, even the best wings, when they get delivered, they lose a little bit of that juice, man, a little bit of that flavor when they've been sitting in styrofoam for however many minutes. So that's an issue. And then the other thing is, they're so popular now they've gotten you know through word of mouth, and it is pretty much word of mouth. They've they've gotten so popular, they're so busy that at times the quality might fall off just a little bit. Maybe because again, you're just you're cooking so many wings and pizza and other stuff that they got going on there at once that it's probably really really hard for them to be able to keep up. And when you're trying to keep up, sometimes, you know, the, the quality might suffer ever so slightly. But again, yo, you're on the Mount Rushmore on my wings. Out of 83 places and you're in the Mount Rushmore, there's not much to bitch about. So I got them at four. Number three, and this was probably of the four, the most controversial one. I only have Barbell at three. I know a lot of people have them at number one. Look, I, again, you're on my Mount Rushmore. I love Barbell. The, the medium are great. The hot are almost too hot for me, by the way. But the medium are amazing. And of course, the Hot Honey Barbecue, which are called the Josh Allen Wing now, that, that's what they're famous for at this point. It is an incredible place. But I will say this much, and I just found this out recently. They opened up a second location. And for me, at least anyway, in my personal experience, there is a significant discernible difference between East Aurora and clearance. You go to the OG, the original East Aurora. It's perfect every time, man. Perfect every time. By the way, the roast beef on whack too. Oh oh my God. If you haven't been there before, get some wings and get some beef on whack. But that's my point. Go to East Aurora because East Aurora, while it's much smaller, is elite. It's the best. The clearance location, which I just went to in late June, I'm not going to say the wings weren't good because they were still certainly good. And I got medium and I got the Josh Allen wings, but the quality was definitely lacking compared to East Aurora. And I've had East Aurora many times. The quality and clearance for me was discernible. It was definitely a difference. It was not as good. Um, The wings were crispy, but they could have been a little crispier and they were a little bit on the small side. I don't know. It's just everything about the flavor, everything about... Clarence, the location for me lacked a little bit. Now, again, I'm not saying that the Clarence location sucks. If I were doing these separately, like Barbell East Aurora and Barbell Clarence, Barbell Clarence wouldn't be on my Mount Rushmore, but it's not like it would be on my third or fourth tier either. It would still be ranked very high. I'm just saying that there was definitely a difference between the two. So, my personal recommendation is if you're going to get Barbell, do everything you can to get it in East Aurora. So, anyway, they're number three. Number two, has been my number one for the first two years of doing my uh, podcast ranking or my wing rankings. This is my third year doing it. 9 11 Tavern in South Buffalo. Love this place. Well, let me take that back. <laughs> I don't love this place because you never know when they're open. Uh, you never know how long you're going to have to wait to get a table. Because again, I don't like takeout. I like to sit down and eat. Plus, I'm not even sure if you can take out wings there. Um, so there's lots of reasons to not like them. But once those wings, come on the table and they hit your mouth. There's not a better wing in Western New York, a traditional wing in Western New York, which by the way, you like gimmicks. If you like, uh, you know, Chevetta wings, if you like honey mustard barbecue, if you if you like all these Cajun stuff, you're shit out of luck when it comes to 9 You go to 9 you're getting medium or you're getting hot that's it. That's a wrap, that's all you're getting. But you know what? When it comes to wings, traditional wings, they're the best. There's not a chicken wing in Buffalo, a regular traditional chicken wing in Buffalo that is better than 9-11 Tavern. And by the way, their fries, absolutely elite as well. Their wings are amazing. Now, why do I not have them number one anymore? Well, two reasons. Number one, and again, this is a place that I've been to a handful of times, not just once or twice. Um, unfortunately, the owner passed away not too long ago, and the daughter took over the business. Now, he had, she has the recipe from her dad who was the cook there. He was always, he didn't just own the place. He was always there and he always cooked the wings. Um, Still incredible wings, man. But just like maybe a 5% fall off. Nothing crazy. There's still, again, I've had them twice now um, with the daughter running the place. They are still amazing, amazing wings. They're still number two on my list. But they fell off just ever, ever, ever so slightly, which gave a path to my new number one, which I think was two or three on my list last year. And that's Elmo's bar in Amherst. Look, man, this, play, these wings are, and, and Nate disagree. Nate, I can't remember the guy's name. So I, I apologize. But Nate went on a, a wing trail with a very popular foodie guy. I, I can't remember the name. And I'm sincerely apologize for my ignorance on there. But anyway, he said of their stops that he was actually the most disappointed on that specific trip by Elmo's. Which again, if you go to these places, you could catch somebody on a bad day. Maybe the best cook is off that day, or sick, or something is going on, or they're they, they're understaffed that day. There's lots of reasons why if you go somewhere on you know the wrong day, the quality just won't be there. But I'm gonna tell you, I've had these wings, I think four times though, and they get better every single time. They're first of all, they're medium hot, which is the traditional wing that I like to try to base a lot of my judgment on. They're not as good as. 9 11 Tavern, or they're not as good as Barbell, but they're still very good. They're regular traditional wing. But those Cajun double dip, hot Cajun double dip, it's my favorite wing in all Western New York. It is elite. It is everything that people say it is and more. Good fries too, by the way. But yeah, those wings, oh my God, they are just freaking absolutely amazing. I went there a handful of weeks ago. In fact, it was the last place I wanted to go back to before deciding who was gonna be number one. I knew it was gonna be between Barbell, 911 and Elmos. And I went to all three of those places over the span of like 10 or 11 days. And the last time I just went there, man, I was just blown away, man. Those, those, I could have eaten 30 of those wings on that night. I just, I just absolutely loved that place. Anyway, all right, I'm done rambling. But like I said, I, I wanted to kind of have an explanation, a little more detailed explanation on some of my wing choices that I really didn't get a chance to talk with uh, when I had Nate on the show last week anyway i said this was going to be a condensed episode i'm completely full of shit because we're almost at 54 minutes right now but anyway thank you so much for listening and uh you're on twitter make sure you give me a follow at pamaran i'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates and promos upcoming guests sports takes pop culture takes uh things like that twitter is pretty much social media wise anyway uh where i live and again thank you so much for listening it means a lot to me truly does make sure you uh Check out the episode tomorrow, which, by the way, audio and video tomorrow. But uh, I'll have Joe Miller from Buffalo Rumblings on with me. Talk to you guys. Then. Take care.